The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. To Reality, a pop culture, current affairs, and LGBT news-oriented panel discussion series that's dedicated to you. Here are your hosts, Dominion Onyx, Carl Anthony, John Sebastian, and Legionnaire. Good evening and welcome to Reality, exclusively on Papi Chulo Radio. Today is Thursday, May 5th, 2016, and it's time for another heaping helping of pop culture on demand from your favorite radio station and mine, poppychuloradio.com. Happy Cinco de Mayo! Hola! Yay! La cucaracha, la cucaracha, ya, 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 Fine, we are fine. You know, we are fine. We are having technology issues, and I'm, I'm covered in mud, and I've been butch all day. I'm too, but it's a good day. I heard you were out playing with balls all day, oh, honey, washing them and getting them wet. Oh my goodness! And, and playing with clubs, mm. big old, big old metallic. Woods and clubs and things. Yes, I play golf. So, <laughs> oh, oh. okay. I'm a little yeah, lizard now. <laughs> and the funny thing is, and and we did well. We did not come in last place. Amen. So um, it was a char- it was a charity event. So um, it was worth the 250 mile round trip. And all the other foolishness that went with it. Uh. Mm-hmm. But now I got tequila and all is well with the world because it is what? Cinco de Mayo. De Mayo. And Yay. I am not talking about Kraft or Hellman's or Dukes. <laughs> bring out the Hellman's and bring out the best. I guess well, I do have to bring out the Hellman's. White people love Mexicans. <laughs> Oh, wow. oh. for drinking holiday. It's not already. <laughs> oh, well. oops. Sorry. Maybe your Kwanzaa. I just yes. Well, you know every holiday. The only holiday that's not a drinking holiday for me is Easter. Mm. I try to be a little bit holy, but uh, just, a, just a little bit. Just a little bit, child. You know, oh, I will say this though. So, I playing golf in Central Virginia is a totally different animal than playing golf anywhere else in the world because you've got these, you've got a combination of old money and nouveau money, and then my broke ass, mm-hmm. and they don't know the, the. And of course, I'm the only, the only person. 
of color in the tournament. As well as the only openly gay person at the tournament. <sighs> wow. Let's Wait, just... Yes, I am one of the gays. Mm. I am a homie. I am a homie sex sale. <laughs> Almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was really interesting to, you know, it's like, what? And, you know, they don't, they're looking at me. They're trying to figure, you know, those people who've never seen me before are like, who is he? And, you know, somebody heard me say my husband and they, a head almost flipped off. Because this is Central Virginia, of course. Um, it was just, it was a whole bunch and not enough and nothing at all, all at the same time. Hmm. Right. That sounds like our weekend legionnaire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it does, actually. How, how was the event? I saw an interesting box. And I'm not talking about some boys behind. <laughs> oh, <dare> you, <laughs> we had a we had a good time at Claw. Uh huh. Yeah. So that, like I said, that box thing looked really interesting. Mm -hmm. The vacuum cube. The vacuum cube. Yes. That that oh. that that now my husband is going to find some way to get into our home. Yep. What's the purpose of it? It's it's um it's a form of it's, it's a form of bondage at the end of the day. And oh, basically, yeah. so basically you're you're you know, you're sucking all the air out of this cube and you're isolating and and binding that person that that chooses to be in it. And it can be a pretty erotic experience because basically you're you're isolating them, you're you're binding them up, and then you can do all kinds of uh, interesting things to them when they can't really uh, move around and stuff. Well, I mean, okay, so you're vacuum sealing, you, you know, you're vacuum sealing them. I get that. Mm -hmm. But if you, but I mean, the only thing that's sticking out is their head. So, uh, oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> you got it now, eat it. <laughs> uh oh. Well. But also, uh, their body is exposed and they can't move. So if their nipples are super sensitive, you know, you can tweak it. Or if, you, if you've got little vibrators or something, because I tell you, those little clip vibrators that they make for women are way powerful than the ones uh, they sell for for men. And you know, those vibrators apply to uh, the genitals or the soul because the entire rest of your body is encased. Uh, can be quite fun, especially if you're like I said, if your nipples are super sensitive or just your genitals are super sensitive to vibration or if you're ticklish you can also spank someone mm -hmm. you can play with um variations in temperature and things like that uh you can oh, also Lord. yes so you can uh like you could 
trace their body with ice cubes or melted wax or uh, anything like that. Also, they do make versions of the cube that allow you to have your ass out. So, in the same way that your head is out and available for use, your ass can be out and available for use. Mm-hmm. That presents a plethora of uh, opportunities. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm. Yes. Okay. All right. I, I, you know, I'm, so, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing the math in my head. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. unlike other leather events that tend to be focused around a contest and other things, Claw is more social and also based on um, education and things because there's a there's a whole uh, educational and demonstration track. That sounds that like a is, trade show. Well. <laughs> and then there's that. Always the one. Well, there is trade. <laughs> and it is right. showing. And so, uh, Marcus, uh, Legionnaire's husband, and I went to uh, one of these demonstrations on this vacuum cube. And because I had been interested in it for a while, but this was sort of my first chance to get up close and personal. And anyone who wanted to could get into the cube. But one, I mean, I, I might have done it if, like, everyone hadn't gotten into it because you, I've, I mean, you could get, you could have gotten into it in your underwear, but I'm just going to keep it real. The cube didn't look very clean, and I can just imagine all of the sweat and other body fluids. Not that you could come in it. I mean, you probably could, but I just was like, I don't know if they sanitized this thing before they brought it to this event. So it's not that it necessarily looked filthy, but they had clearly had it for several years. And so my uh, my OCD, and I'm not usually particularly OCD, but just as I get older, like um, I'm, the, I've become that that person who likes to wash their hands and then use a piece of pe- a towel to grab the door handle and things like that. Because I just think of germs and stuff and Zika and all kinds of shit. So I'm just like, no, girl, I'm not going to get in that cube. (laughs) But I will buy one. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, see. No, I I, see that. mm -mm, See that, that, no. It's too, it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. And I would, I'd be crazy and freaky. I'd probably be freaking out trying to get in the cube so no i know know your limits and that that think that will push my limits so i will watch the demonstrations accordingly i think you will be fine with it because again yeah. you're not in total darkness your head is out i mean it's clearly not someone that you do you know with some random that you meet online or that you know you would just do by yourself you'd probably be something that you would do with some well you have to do it with someone you can't do yourself because your arms, your entire body except for your head is sticking out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's encased, so you wouldn't be able to uh, to move it. And right. once you're in it, 
You can't even, like you say, oh, well, maybe I'll put the control in the cube, but I mean, it's a vacuum seal, so you wouldn't even really be able to move any of your body parts that's encased, so. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think he, I think you would like it. Now, what is more, uh, I think harder to tolerate is they have a vac bed with which is something that it's on the ground, so you sort of shimmy into it, and then you put a breathing tube in your mouth, kind of uh -uh. like a snorkel. Nope. And then that sticks out of a hole, and then your entire body, including your head, is covered. So then you're totally encased, and you can't see either. Mm -mm, nope. <laughs> snack, that ain't gonna work. That ain't gonna work. Mm -mm, I'd be crazy and crying and snotting can no. No, mm -mm, I ain't doing that. Nope, not doing it. Not happening. Sorry. Mm -mm. Okay. If I was with someone that I, I really trusted, I might do it because it would be nice to um, have that feeling of being totally free. Because I, the idea of being totally internal mm -hmm. is sort of interesting to me. Yeah, you know, you're, because you're, you're cut off from all stimuli. You can't see, you can't hear, you can't touch anything. I mean, you can hear, I'm assuming you can hear like muffled sounds. So it's not like, unless you put something in your ear, you because it's still like a membrane over your ear. So it would translate some sound. But, mm -hmm. you know, you your sense, your sense of sound is reduced, you know, by almost 90%. And the only thing you could probably feel is uh, sensations of heat and cold, and that's only if someone applied something hot or cold to you. But okay. that's even that's personally seems very interesting to me. Yeah, it's 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 binding the body to to free the mind. It's it, it can yes. be very um with and and like Dom said, with someone that you that you trust and you're comfortable with, it can really be quite the. Um, Erotic experience. Mm, okay, I'll take it. I will take that. I guess for me, the whole sensation of not being able to see. Okay, not being able to move is one thing, but not being able to see or hear and just have a snorkel tube. No, that. Mm -mm, I'm. I no. I would. I couldn't. Uh, nope. Sorry. Not. That's not in my ministry. Can't do it. Not. Not gonna do it. <laughs> You can't make me. <laughs> not your monkeys, not your circus. <laughs> not my monkey, honey. That ain't not my Ringling Brothers, my Barnum and Bailey. Not my elephants. They are officially retired. Hell to the no, that, that ain't me. But I'm glad you all had a wonderful time. I really it, am. It was. It was. It was. You looked time. like you were. I was. I was following your exploits uh, pictorially. So I was. I was living vicariously semi through y'all. I was. I ain't gonna lie. I was like, oh, that. Oh, I didn't even take many pictures. I, you know, almost as a reaction to everyone else's um, sort of serial and fanatical posting of, of every moment of their lives. I find <laughs> myself posting less and less stuff because I'm not big on selfies. So the idea of me taking hundreds of pictures of myself just in various locales 
seems very narcissistic to me, so I can't do that. But I do need to start taking some more pictures. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the ones that I saw, I, you know, I was following your exploits. Mm-hmm. And it looks like you all were having a well, you, 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 you only saw a couple of the highlights. There were quite a few more. Yes. I, honey, I, I'm not old enough to see all of your highlights. <laughs> Most of them you you would have seen already. It wasn't anything, you know. It wasn't nothing too out there, you know. Just a few, a few, uh, a little spanking of, you know, a few metal toys and people's buttholes and, you know, some, some oral. <laughs> well, seeing, seeing the pup on the leash was, I think, the most <laughs> shocking thing for me. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> that that did, that did create a new a new fascination for me, and uh, I, I I don't know I think I think I might want a pup. I was like, Lord have mercy. I, 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 I can see why you might, but the idea of playing with someone who is pretending to be a dog and I have to like buy into that, I'm like. Listen, That's a bit I'm much. not yucking their yum because if it makes them happy, I'm very happy for them. But I don't know that I can do it because I'm like, girl, why are you? I'm supposed to be cool with you pretending to be a dog, and I'm That's... cool with it. I'm cool with it from an observational standpoint. But in terms of me, like playing along with it, and like, who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? I'm like, no. no. <laughs> But then my and like scratching them behind the ear and shit. Now it is. It I will tell you. You know, Legionnaire will remember this. The day that I met him, and the first time I walked into the Washington Plaza and saw these dudes walking around with puppy tails inserted in them, pretending to be puppies. I that was the hottest shit I'd ever seen in my life. But I didn't. I mean, literally, I'm like, this motherfucker is like wagging his cute little booty like a dog and the tail is moving and shit. Baby, I was like, I had to pinch myself. I was like, is this real? Is this really happening? <laughs> I need to... That, like I said, now, there are a couple of members of Omega Psi 5 that I scratch behind the ears, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but, I, so what would... Ma- I guess the psychology behind why someone would want to pretend to be a dog. It's it's it is it's interesting that you say that because I went to a seminar that actually talked about the human pup experience because I had always been fascinated but haven't really had the opportunity to really talk to somebody who could explain it to me or break it down. And basically this guy kind of fell into it. Um, because he saw he saw it at one point and he said for him now of course he can't speak for everyone's experience but he said for him it's the whole idea of being able to uh, one uh, on the one hand be able to hand over total control of yourself to another person as pets do generally but without the whole human humanity attachment to it and also he he gets off on the experience of just um you know he he finds himself to be a playful pup 
So, you know, when he's with his handler, you know, he's very affectionate and that kind of thing. And it doesn't always have to involve. He said that it always doesn't have to involve, you know, barking and stuff like that. He said for a lot of guys, it does. But for a lot of guys, it doesn't. It's just the experience of being in a headspace where, you know, you're just lavishing and, and relishing in the affection that you would get from your handler and, you know, without any um, without any vocals. And it would just, all the vocals would basically come from your handler and that kind of stuff. So it's not always, you know, who's a good boy and that kind of stuff. Although that is definitely a part of it for some guys. So, and I don't know, it just created more of a fascination for me. It didn't break down all of the psychology for me that I probably would have liked to experience or at least learn about, but it definitely kept kept my interest peaked. So I don't know how, how deep I would get into it, but uh, I am definitely fascinated. Okay, because yeah, my because my, I mean, my brain. I've gotten into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, uh, John Sebastian. My brain is just not pro, I, and I'm trying. You know, I I. <laughs> My brain just does not process this. It and, does. and believe me, I get it. Because the first time I saw it was when I went to um, L.A. a few years ago. And they, you know, this guy had this party and they had a puppy pit. So basically it's all these guys that were just kind of rolling around, yipping and nipping at each other. And, you know, while your first reaction might be like, what the what fuck? The fuck? I didn't have that reaction. It was just like, oh, well, well, isn't that interesting? <laughs> and, you know, and they were all in various stages of dress and things like that. And I don't know. It was it wasn't I won't say that it was hot at the time, but it was definitely it was definitely very, very interesting. And so I'm wondering, do they try to mount each other? You know what? It's. I just and, do all of that. I'm yeah, they do all of that. And, and and that was something else the other the guy told me too. He said a lot of times it's not even um there are times when it's not even sexual. It's not, you know, a sexual component to it because then, you know, you get into the whole psychology of, you know, it's fucking his dog, and then it's like, oh, that creates a whole that creates yeah. a weird psychology around that. So and right. I guess that was the part that I had to kind of get my mind around because for the most part my kink expressions are, I won't say that they're always sexual but they're usually sexual so being in in that kind of space would be that would be challenging for me to you know transition that into something sexual yeah cuz it would be like you fucking your dog ew right right like that picture that we saw this week of the snake. <laughs> yes. That uh, oh, oh. That, that was that was much. Yeah, so listeners, so this week we, we get very interesting photos and 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 uh emails through our, you know from various sources and we got to see a snake, an actual real live snake find its way up in some man's ass. The tail, the the, the, the tail, tail in, not the mouth. Right. Well, but even it does not matter. You know, at, at least and a good. The, the, the fucked up part about it was that snake would have kept going if that dude hadn't grabbed it. Right. Yeah. Talk about a colon snake. Mm, you want to talk about a colon cleansing? 
shit. Ooh. Oh, literally. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. So, listen. So, never. So, listeners, <laughs> please understand that you will always learn something of interest here on reality. Always. Absolutely. Because right. I, because I'm more confused. No rainbows. <laughs> but for real, I'm more confused than ever. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes there's that. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I'm just like, okay, I, my brain, mm, all right, I, you know, I trust y'all when you tell me that it, you know, I trust you all with what you tell me, but I'm just like, mm, okay, I I guess I am so, sub- 20 years ago, I'd have been like, hell yeah, no, I'm so damn suburban, I'm like, okay, that's interesting, tea anyone, coffee, mm. you know. And, and, and Dominion and I became closer in our friendship. Yes, we did. Oh. Lord have mercy. I can only if imagine. such a thing was even possible, but clearly it was. Well, yes, it was. I can only imagine, and I don't want to imagine because if I imagine <laughs> what what precipitated said said event to inspire such closeness, <laughs> I have a feeling that there's well, a paddle. First, we had a first, we had a, a five hour kiki. Oh, oh Lord, now that. If there was a highlight of the weekend, that would that would be very close, if not it. <laughs> right. Oh my. And then uh, Legionnaire's husband found a young man uh, <laughs> and was just chatting with him. Just, you know, a simple chat. Uh, you know, but, you know, when you, you are at these events, I, I get very uh, molestery. Yes. Uh-huh. Legionnaire has Legionnaire has commented on it before, not on the show, but just to me in life. And I could feel my molesterism come out because this dude was not (laughs) at all the type that I would normally go for, but he was thick and tall and real like skittish. So it was like a it was like um like a like a, a, a a stallion that needed to be broken. Mm-hmm. Jesus, and you know, the first time I told him to put his hands at his side, uh, he said yes, sir, and dropped him immediately. I was like, "Yep, I see where this is going." So, <laughs> like, all right, so let's just let's hurry this along, and you know, the rest is history. Like I said, it involved you know some spanking, some dicks and mouths, and some uh, some things in holes. Lord have mercy. Okay. It was all quite festive. It was quite festive. I was having barbecue pork at church. Okay. <laughs> I'm so suburban. <laughs> well, I'm sure that was fun too. Yes. Yes. That's what we'll go. <laughs> we went to a hibachi. We went. We had hibachi before. We oh. did. Then you beat somebody's ass, and they liked it. Okay. I. This is. This is good. It's good. All right. Woo, y'all. Are One of those well You know, it's always things. interesting. It is. It is very interesting to me the extent to which, you know, people say all kinds of shit about what they really won't do. But I, in my experience, at least, uh, a good 40 to 65% of them 
with proper persuasion will allow you to do quite a few things to them. Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. I mean that that's that's a true statement. Um I can back in my young and single and ready to mingle days. The, mm-hmm. I, look, two weeks ago, no I'm kidding. Um <laughs> last Thursday there were if the right uh offer was made, I would have tried back in my twenties, honey, I would have tried anything twice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Three, and that's because I would ultimately have fucked it up the first time. So I was known for trying st- certain things twice. You know, some stuff I was never gonna try. But I try anything twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, there was some stuff that I said I would never do that I did, and it was oh my god! Like what? I ne- I said I would never. I said I would never do water sports. And. Mm-hmm. Oh, you let honey. boys piss up in you like Carl? <laughs> no, who oh. was not here to defend himself? <laughs> no, not Ooh. that. I, not, I didn't go quite that far. But you know, no. little, you know, a little shower, a little shower every now and then. You know, um, and since urine is technically sterile, um, you know, when it goes straight from the tap into your body, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, oh, so you were swallowing it. Oh. Mm-hmm. I did. Four times. Well, good for you. And good for you for admitting it. Because, you know, I really think that so much of what's holding us back as a people, meaning specifically black and Latino <laughs> gay men, is um, <laughs> that people are doing these things. So, you know, the kids will be like, ill. Like, if you post it on Facebook or something, you know, the kids try to get brand new if, if you know, me a legionnaire talk about water sports or whatever. But then half of the ones that say ill are, uh, you know, asking you questions on the side and talking about when can we meet up. Right. Right. I, and then I, I'm, I'm like, oh, girl, I don't live my life in the closet. I live my life out loud. Right. I, well, really? okay, but see, I think that that, but that lends to a different conversation. Um, there are some things that, that I, and this is just me. I don't think should be this. I'm there are some things I'm not. Well, there are some things I should not discuss in social media, simply because of what my career. Well, no, and I'm not even suggesting. No. It's not specific. No, it's not no, no, specifically but, about social media, about being um, honest about things that you have done, would do, or would like to do. Right. Okay. So that's a. But see. Okay. That's different because, I, like I said, I know that I would, ne- you know, <laughs> I have never lied about my past. Let me say that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because, honey, when honey, when it came to the block, I was working it. But... Ooh, good thing we did all of our dirt before social media. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so glad we were smart enough to do this shit before there was an internet. Baby, don't you know? Oh, because Lord Jesus. Because if some of the stuff I did in high school, if true, yeah, uh, that was high school. So imagine what happened when I got in, when I got grown, and kind of knew what I was doing a little bit. Um, but no, I think you're absolutely right. People, people do um, put up a facade, and then want to 
they they want to exp- they they want to explore their sexuality, but only uh, they want to explore. They want to do it in a dirty, nasty, a dirty and nasty and secretive way, yet still a, a still appear to be pious in public. Right. And I and and that well, is an excellent place to call people out on their hypocrisy. You know, it's like well, if you, you want to do it. I, I don't deal with Bill Well with uh. Pauline a pure pussy, you know. I can't fuck with that. Yeah, I, I lose a lot of patience around that. Well, I'm because because I, I mean because it's one thing to say that you don't want to put all your business out on social media like that, and I get that. That makes perfect sense. But you know, don't be you know sitting in a, a place where at least being able to express, not even necessarily do, but being able to express those things will be uh, allowable. And you know, you want to get all pious and pure, but then you want to pull my coattail on the side and say, "Ooh, okay, you know, I want you to hook me up and zap me." And I was like, "Uh." No, bitch, because just half an hour ago you were saying how awful and horrible it was. So I, I ain't got time. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot be bothered. <laughs> Did you hook me up and zap right. me? Okay. Oh, oh, yeah, that, that's another fetish. Sorry. I was, like, I was like, hit me up with the taser, baby. No. <laughs> Tase me, bro. Uh, but no. Uh, all right. So this. I tell you, I love these conversations. These are, they are so educational. And again, for me, it's not just about, it, it's about the social aspects, but it's also about the psychological aspects. It gives me, you know, I, I, I appreciate you all living vicariously. And I, you know, well, I get to live vicariously through you. And I get to ask questions that I normally, not that I would be ashamed to ask, but they're just some things that I would not feel comfortable. I'm not comfortable just asking anybody, you know, oh, so. When you put him in the vacuum tube with his ass sticking out, what did you do? That because that's not you know appropriate dinner conversation. <laughs> well, and the thing is, it's like you well, can it ask. Well, who you, you having dinner with? Well, yeah. <laughs> but the cool thing is that you you ask those questions and you and you're open to listening and hearing the answers without judgment. And I think that's the big thing. I mean, because if you hear it and say, "Hey, that's." not something that I don't know how I venture into then you know hey it, it, it is what it is because who knows what the future might bring for you but you know if you just dismiss it out of hand it's just something those freaks do and you know that's the kind of thing that I, I lose patience with because I mean there's a whole spectrum of fetish play that I don't indulge in but that doesn't mean I'm gonna pass judgment on it hey, hey if that's what gets you off baby have at it please have at right. it just just don't just don't expect me to be involved in it because i got my own list that i'm working through right because i mean there's something that i just <laughs> i mean i for me i guess on the hygienic scale mm-hmm. they're just some things that don't make sense to me and right. you can't make me i'm I mean, I understand that it might be a fetish and I understand that you might get off, but it's like, okay, that just, I don't, and not that I'm going to judge, but it's, that's one of those, I'm going to look at you askance about that. You know, there's just some things that it's like, uh, mm, no, I, uh, no. Um, in third world country, you know, we're trying to keep people in third world country from dying from this and you're playing, no. So... And that's not a, ju- and I don't think that's a, ju- well, it is a judgment call, but it's also a public, for me, I think it's more of a public health. <laughs> I, <laughs> that yeah. just don't look healthy. 
It don't. It, 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 it is not. I'm sorry. You know, if you've ever, for anyone who has ever had a path, a a, a fecal pathogen uh, illness, you know that shit is not a bad word. Is that? <laughs> but um, no, it's like uh, you know, I a, a true confession. So due to some someone with bad hygiene it was not that it was nothing on my part and yes i'm going to be, i'm going to be poly, poly purebred pussy here you know um it wasn't my fault but due to it was basically a very bad case of food poisoning i was diagnosed with um a i was diagnosed with a disorder years ago that you can get one of three ways and i did not get it the other two i got it from food preparation but the doctor was like, you know, are you because, sh- you know, you can get it from eating ass. The doctor was like, uh, have you eaten? Uh, uh, have you been? Uh, and he was he was struggling to ask me that I ate dirty ass. And I was like, uh, no, doctor, um, that's not what I do. And, you know, and he said, well, what about? And I was like, no, I don't do that either. And he said, so what have you eaten in the past 72 hours? I told him, he said, ah, where did you eat? You know, so we got down to the bottom of it. But for me, you know, having had to live through that, I know how it was, but I know how embarrassed I was, you know, for my doctor to ask me, did I eat, did I eat somebody's dirty ass? Mm. You know, I'm like, uh, no, that's <laughs> no, you know. Uh-uh, uh, no, I, no, that's not what I do. I'm clean, and my ass is clean, so anybody who ate my ass would, you know, and I didn't want to get into that, but it was right. just, you know, just the fact that my doc, that, that my doctor had to ask me, did you eat dirty ass? It's like, <laughs> of all the How questions- dare you, sir? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> you know, of all the questions you expect your doctor to ask you, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not that's not really high on the list. That, that is not on the high on the, that is not on the list. <laughs> you know, well, it is. You know, but my doctor now. You know, and and thank God for. I love how our conversations go. We can go anywhere. Um, I am so grateful to have medical professionals who understand. You know, who are not ashamed now to ask those difficult questions. You know, because yeah, that it. You know, it makes the difference between life and death. Mm. You know, it, it, so I'm great. So I, I guess, listeners, all of that is to say, if you're gonna be kinky, be kinky, enjoy it, ask questions, and if you really want to experience something, get in the vacuum cube. But don't. But Dominion's not gonna get in it because it looks dirty unless he buys it and disinfects it himself, <laughs> and let them trace you with ice cubes or hot wax. But it wasn't even that. It was that. He had already said so. They had done this demo one other time uh, before that day, and they'd all he already said at the start of our demo that 60 people had all been in it. Ew. And, you know, right? We're a very nudity affirming thing, so 99% of the people that got in it were naked in the cube with this latex that's right up against your skin. And I don't know how all these people, um. You know, a lot of leather men believe in natural body sense, so they did probably didn't take a bath. And you know, I was just like, ew. So mm-hmm. it was already sixty people funky, 
you know, when we walked in the room and then I wasn't even, if I had gotten in it, I wouldn't even been person 61. I would have been like person like 89. So I was like, right. no girl, never mind. It <laughs> looks fun. I've seen enough to know that I want it, but I do not need to get in this particular queue. That's so, what I'm saying. Right. You know, so now you, okay. No, ma'am. All right, kids, we got a lot of show to get to. So we have killed 30 minutes having a fabulous, 40 minutes having a fabulous conversation. So shall we just dive right into it? Mm -hmm. We shall, we shall. All right, so first up, social media debate over Malia Obama's choice to attend Harvard instead of an HBCU. So for those of you who don't know, Malia Obama, the... uh, Barack and Michelle Obama's oldest daughter is graduating high school this June and she decided to take a gap year and then um, attend Harvard University in 2017. So there are people who are annoyed with her for two reasons. One, white people are annoyed because she got into Harvard uh, at all. And two, some black people are annoyed she chose to go to Harvard over uh, an HBCU. So, as always, I have thoughts, but I'd like to hear what you think, John Sebastian. I think that this is a tempest in a teapot over absolutely nothing. Malia Obama is a legacy going to Harvard. Um, Why would Mm -hmm. she not go to Harvard? She's graduating from Sidwell Friends, which is one of the top preparatory schools in the nation. She obviously has the grades to get into Harvard, even, you know, notwithstanding being a legacy. And her parents can't afford to send her there. As for her taking a gap year, that's what rich kids do. I don't... This is just, you know, people being assholes. And not in a good way. Legionnaire? Um, I don't know that I could say it any better. I mean, I don't, I don't under, to this, to me, this is, there's no debate here. There's no discussion here. Her, her father went to Harvard. Why should she not go to Harvard? Um, Both you know, if, went to Harvard. right. So if she, if she, if they are of the means that she can take a year off before she goes to school, uh, why should she not do that? I I don't I don't I don't know why I don't understand why there's a debate. I just uh, <laughs> I'm not even so much interested in uh, what white people's feelings are about this because you all I mean the moment she decided that she was going to go to someplace other than PG Community College, I mean you know people were going to be up in arms, but they didn't say nothing when George. George W. Bush's dumbass got into Yale, and it, it clearly wasn't on the strength of his grade, you know. So there is that. But uh, this whole argument that you know she could have made such a statement about going to an HBCU, um, you know, I think that's uh, bullshit too, and here's why: I went to Florida A and M University, but I. I wouldn't want the president, the daughter of the president of the United States to go there. I mean, it's not that I wouldn't want her to go there, but are are they prepared? I mean, you know, at Florida A&M University, and I say this as someone who went there, you know, 
you got to wait for financial aid. I mean, not that she has financial aid, but I mean, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they have the infrastructure. They don't to uh, to make that happen. And I'm saying that not just about FAMU, but I'm saying about that about Harvard and Spelman or whatever. She's going to have. Uh, I would assume she probably gets a Secret Service detail. Uh, she does. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't know that those schools are ready to support that. And also, Malia Obama has not said at all that she is interested in being involved in a political sphere. So why should she make a choice about her education based on what a bunch of Negroes want uh, so that their alma mater can get a boost? It's not her responsibility at all to support uh, HBCU. She should go to any school that she can get into, and if she could get into Harvard, that's great. Now, I'm not saying I would be mad if she decided to go to FAMU or Howard or whatever, but she don't have any responsibility to do so. Right. I, you know, I think part now, of if it she's going to go to a HBCU, she should go to Hillman. Shut up. Thank you. <laughs> I hate you. I wasn't going to say nothing. I wasn't going to say nothing. Both of y'all can go straight to hell. (laughs) With gasoline draws and an Amico credit card. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so, yeah, no, and and honestly, knowing knowing how the business offices operate at HBCUs, can you imagine them trying to tell her, we didn't get your tuition check, so you can't go to class? Right. I mean, let's just let's just. Do you know who her mama is? Do you do you really want? Do you really want Shelly from the South Side to come up in the business office with her hair wrap? No, you don't want that. I'm gonna tell you right now. That's not what you want. So okay. Right. And and for me, the larger point is 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 that Malia Obama is under no obligation to make life choices based on optics for that make other people do so. Frankly, as the child of the first black president of the United States, she's already had to live her life under the under a microscope in a way that I kind of feel bad for her for, for because she can't go, you know, and maybe she isn't a drinker. I'm not suggesting that she should go out and get blackout drunk like the Bush twins, but you know, you know, if this chick even has like a single drink at a party, some dude is going to post it on social media. It's already know, happened. She, she can't even be. Oh, yeah, not, right. So you right. know, she can't be a regular um, uh, kid. And now, you know, as soon as she get there, you know, everyone's. If she did go to FAMU, every AKA and Delta is is going to try to be her friend because they want to be able to say that the daughter of the president of the United States is a Delta or an AKA. I mean, girl, no, I wouldn't want, I would not wish that pressure on her at all because it right. would be a unique pressure that um, a white person going to an HBCU or going to any other school would not feel. And I would wish for her uh, college education to be as normal as the education at Harvard can be. Mm-hmm. And I agree. 
All right. Uh, next roundtable topic. There is a douchebag company called Marek and Richard who makes a, quote, wide range of rad gear, unquote, including jock straps, tanks, and snapback hats marketed to gay men. And they debuted a new tank top recently that rubbed more than a few online losers, the uh, losers, users the <laughs> wrong way. The tank in question is a simple black tank that says no fats, no films. And, you know, of course, you know, the kids, you know, got into it and they uh, they were not pleased. And then, of course, their tweets, uh, they, they tweeted back, messages can be seen in a variety of ways. Satire is one of our favorites. And um, what do you guys think? I think that if anybody I know ever wears that shirt, I'm a donkey punch them, then punch them in the, then I'm a punch them in the cooter. No, I, inappropriate. I, we already have strikes against us in the gay community. Why do you want to further segregate us and make it worse? And yes, I said punch them in the cooter. I sure did. <laughs> in the, in the cooter, you did. In the cooter, yep. Hard and fast. Right. Well, no, no, because see, if it's hard and fast, they might like it. (laughs) So no. (laughs) This is not to be pleasurable. (laughs) Oh, I know how to make it unpleasant. Oh, I know you do. (laughs) I know who I'm dealing with. (laughs) Oh, Lord. What do you think? You know, I, you know, I, to me, if there are people out there that want to buy this product, those are clearly not people that I would have anywhere in my circle of friends or people that I would even want to know. I, you know, I think this kind of thing is insightful and unfortunately it, it does speak to, um, it contributes further to how we view ourselves as a community and and that standard of what's uh what's what's beautiful and what's acceptable in terms of finding a partner uh it's it's, it panders to that very superficial mentality that people already think is prevalent in the gay community so you know even if that were true for somebody it's like why why go ahead and pander to those um those lowest common denominators that people already have around same gender loving individuals. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, uh, I am on, uh, American Richards, uh, website and all of their t-shirts, you know, have sort of a silly, uh, little tagline like one shirt says beach please another says pizza and anal one says cunty i mean you know i mean so they're all of their shirts are in this sort of satirical vein so it's not i mean so i mean i can buy that you know this is is 
the market that they were going for. So, I guess, I guess I'm not super upset about it because the t-shirt in and of itself is part of, of, you know, a larger thing and it's like a joke. But it's not. I mean, let's... You think beyond, you think outside the box, and you think about things from a very, very analytical perspective. These no, girls aren't. You. These girls aren't, and and I'm not saying that just to blow smoke up your ass, but oh. these girls, the, the children who are buying this shirt, mean that shit. They do. You know, yeah. Well, you know, if of all the shirts, you know that that is the one. That is a message that continually goes out. Not only from you know, and and it, it's not it doesn't just come out through um, apps and dating websites. It comes out, you know. Try being a chubby, you know, a chubby femme man going to half of the bars in any half of the gay bars in any city. And while you know, those are the people who uh, who, who you know are. I call them the fat. They, they suffer with the fat girl syndrome. They, they are given the coats to hold while the skin skinny young things go out and dance and, and you know have a good time. I also will say that the people who are generally wearing the you know no fats no femme shirts are also the ones who are probably walking petri dishes of diseases. Mm-hmm. But no, I it's it might it, you may look at it as a joke, but I I think that there is a ser- there is a more serious. And um, insidious message behind that shirt. That's just, you know, that's just kind of how I'm looking at it. Okay. Well, did you just dismiss me? Did he just dismiss me? (laughs) This bitch just dismissed me. Okay. No, I'm not dismissing you, girl, but we just can't spend forever on the story. (laughs) (laughs) I get your point. Why? (laughs) Okay. <laughs> he said, okay. So, uh, answer is what is a new Mexican restaurant in Hamilton Heights? Who is Alex Trebek's son? And you got the daily double. Yes. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> so Matthew Matthew Trebek, who is Alex Trebek's son with his second wife, is saving Harlem nightlife, according to the New York Post. So really? the 25-year-old son is uh, a son of um, uh, Jeopardy host Alex Trebek is opening also in Hamilton Heights on Wednesday. It's a trendy Mexican restaurant filled with tacos, gorditas, tamales, and and some other bullshit. So they're open until at least 2 a.m. nightly. Trebek's uh, partner is Nodar Moshlashvili. Moshlashvili. 
whatever. And the chef is Cassandra Rhodes. So, Alex Just Beck, Nodar Moshlashvili, and Cassandra Rhodes are opening a Mexican restaurant in Spanish Harlem. Is it Spanish Harlem? Is Round it Spanish Harlem or regular Harlem? Well, it's regular Harlem, but that area is predominantly Latino, according to people okay. that live in the okay. area. So maybe not actually Spanish Harlem, but okay. So. But just so we're clear, a, a Canadian is going to a Latino neighborhood in a black enclave, and he's saving it. Okay, by Could opening you... a Mexican restaurant that sells high-end tequilas and mezcals. Right. That's open right. till Okay. So, so a Canadian is coming to America to go to mm -hmm. Harlem and sell tequila to Latinos. Yes. And trendy Mexican plates. Don't forget the trendy Mexican plates. I'm sorry, Tacos, yes. Tacos, gorditas, and tamales. Mm -hmm. And it's and going to have a... It's going to have a quote raw vibe and is covered in exposed brick, concrete floors, and a graffiti mural. My ass just itched and blew a bubble with some hubba bubba. Ugh. That's uh white boy privilege one oh one. Yes. I, I what is what exactly is he saving Harlem Nightlight from? Oh, I know the Apollo. Um, Gladys is soul food. You know, it, uh, it, that's that's my question. I, you know, people people like that just they they annoy the fuck out of me. Like somehow their very presence is going to uplift the neighborhood, and that's just how this looks to me. And like you said, he's gonna move his little business in there and it's going to be high end to try to bring in you know all these yuppie preppy right you know to to you know somehow um try to have some kind of simulated experience that that's just uh, that that just like you said makes my ass itch can you can you say <laughs> gentrification much yes Right, you know, where we are. Oh, oh, you know. oh, oh, I'm sorry, it's a street food restaurant. So, okay, now here's the thing I I'm sure there's plenty of Mexicans that live in New York City, but I would imagine that there's more, more you know, Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. So, if you were you know, going to be true to the spirit of the area, then you would open, you know, a more Caribbean-focused restaurant as opposed, you know, a Latino-Caribbean restaurant like a Puerto Rican... An Afro-Caribbean Afro as opposed to mm. Southwest. Oh, sorry. I'm being told that the correct word is Boricua. Boricua, si. Yes, a Boricua restaurant then maybe I might be feeling it a little more, but not much. If you were saying that, you know, your goal is to hire people who live in Harlem 
in the neighborhood that you're going to support some school that you know 10% of the profits because you know we're all in business to make money but you know if you said like 10% of the profits were going to go to support you know a couple of neighborhood schools then yeah but if you're just opening um, a club or something until a club. a.m. nightly. I'm like, are there even clubs and shit in this neighborhood? You know, maybe this was a residential area where people don't want that shit. I mean, there are parts matter. of every part of New York City is not Times Square. There's lots of most of New York is residential, and people ain't trying to uh, have people have drunk ass white people and black people <laughs> and Latino people, but drunk people. Period. You know bothering them or pissing on their stoops or whatever. Right. Whatever, bro. Right. Especially at 2 o'clock, at 2, 2.07 in the morning, you know, because they didn't drink all this high-end tequila and mezcal. And, yeah, it's just, I don't think it's, no. I'm the bitch that called the police. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> uh-huh. oh. I know for my, look, I know for myself. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, all right. So, Before- next story. This just happened uh, yesterday on May the 4th. Feds tell North Carolina governor that anti-LGBT law violates civil rights. So, Vanita Gupta, I love that her name is Vanita Gupta. Mm-hmm. Ain't that a black Indian Justice name? Of- <laughs> huh? That's a good old black, black girl Indian name. Uh huh, black Indian. She do got it. She really do have Indian in her family. Right, for real though. <laughs> so Vanita Gupta, who was the head of the Justice Department Civil Rights Division, wrote a letter that gives McCrory, who Pat McCrory, who was the Republican governor of North Carolina, North Carolina, until Monday to confirm that the, the that quote the state will not comply or implement HB two, according to the Charlotte Observer. The law, uh, Gupta wrote, is facially discriminatory against transgender employees on the basis of sex because it treats transgender employees whose gender gender identity does not match their biological sex as defined by HB2 differently from similarly similarly situated non-transgender employees, end quote. What do you guys think about this? I'm so glad that the Justice Department has come out and said, you know, this this law is totally unconstitutional. Um, I knew it wasn't going to pass muster. I was wondering how long it was going to take for them to actually say something. It, I was figuring it wasn't going to happen until right before the election um, as a political ploy, you know, because let's be honest, at this point, the people both in Washington and in North Carolina, or at least more than half the people in North Carolina want to see PP Pat gone. Um, but yeah, so the fact that they've come out and said this is this this bill does not pass muster. It, anyone who has studied ninth grade civics, especially if you had Mr. Howie, knows what to look for in a in, in something being unconstitutional, and we all knew on its face that it was. So good job, Vanita. Good job, girl. Yes, yes, I, I echo that entirely. Thank you, thank you, Veneta. Um, I was, you know, things like that make me very nervous, and uh, I guess I've become a little jaded. I didn't know if this was going to be 
uh, overturned or what, but I'm glad to see that it has, and uh, you know, it, it it keeps my faith afloat. Thank, thank you so very, very much. Yes. Amen to that. Mm. All right, so, and then there was one. So on Tuesday, Ted Cruz bowed out of the Republican primary after getting trounced in the uh, in Indiana and uh, elbowed his wife in in the face in the process of giving a concession speech. And then yesterday, John Kasich dropped out. So without any other challengers, uh, Donald Trump is the Republican nominee. So. The convention now is just going to be a rubber stamp. Uh, not quite. <laughs> Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee. I, I am. <clears throat> there is the definite chance for a brokered convention to happen because, let's face it, Donald Trump as president is probably worse the worst thing that can that will have happened to this country in over 200 years um and i don't see what is happening is frankenstein has turned on his creator and they are now you know they they now know they they either have to acquiesce and do whatever he says because well he has bought them all or figure out a way to to neuter him and that ain't happening. You know, the best chance they had for doing that said he was, you know, the the person who, and I, I am not a Mitt Romney fan, but Mitt Romney would have been the man to go up against Donald. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are no other Republicans, I don't think, who have the national stage and who, who, who have the intelligence because let's be let's just be honest donald trump is many things but he's not stupid he's you know he is the pt barnum of our day and he knows how and he knows how to sell a circus and that's what he's been doing so no um i just think that we are at a point now the republicans waited too long to try to, to, to stop him and now he has taken over he is literally he is the stand. He Donald Trump is the standard bearer for the GOP. Hmm. Think about that for a moment. Right. Just just let that rest on your soul. Right, yeah. Let let that work in your spirits. Donald Trump is the stand. Donald Trump technically is the head now of the Republican Party of this country. If that doesn't fill fill you with fear, then you are dead man walking, or <laughs> you are already in his pocket. <laughs> dead man walking. Uh, what do y'all think about this? <laughs> Poor Carly Fiorina. Right. <sighs> Poor, poor little Tink Tink. <laughs> poor little Tink Tink. Poor little you, know, tink. You, know, you know they didn't even support. They didn't even consult this bitch 
to let her know that he was right. going to concede. He probably found that shit out on the news with the rest of us. Right. But that's what she gets. Well, yeah, they with that. <laughs> who the hell? Who chooses a running mate before you get the nomination? Right. Who chooses a terrible running mate? Well, well there, there is there quite is obvious that. to that. Because <laughs> oh. that was well. about to be a hot mess. For all the two and a half days. Mm. So, Dominion, what do you think, darling? Honey, I'm, I don't even know because I am in some ways more nervous about the idea of a brokered convention than I am about Trump going to the to the general election because I'm pretty confident that he'll lose at the general level and then people will I think people will accept that easier if he goes to the general election and loses than if he never even gets the chance to run because people will feel like, you know, it, you know, shit was sold out from under them. So, um, you know, cause I'm playing, I'm playing a longer game here. Mm-hmm. I want him to be the nominee because then that makes Hillary or Bernie Sanders makes it easier for them not only to become president, but to flip a number of House and Senate seats. Because with Donald Trump as the standard bearer, all of these little local races are like, this is the guy that's the head of your party. This is what you stand for. And all you have to do is beat them over the head for the next six months with all of the shit that Donald Donald Trump has said up until now and all of the shit that he is guaranteed to continue to say up until election day. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> if he does not get the nomination, you're going to be you're going to put in someone who is um much more electable from a general election standpoint, not just talking about the crazies that voted for Donald Trump, but people that People who were never ever going to vote for Donald Trump, but still consider themselves Republicans, can vote for now, like a Mitt Romney or like a someone else. And I think Hillary Clinton compares much, oh, definitely Bernie Sanders. But speaking about Hillary Clinton, she compares much less favorably to someone like a Mitt Romney or someone who is much more reasonable or. Um, whatever because you Mm -hmm. that person will not have had a whole bruising primary season worth of ridiculous shit that you can then um that you can then pounce on so i don't know that i want a brokered convention because and then and then if you do there are going to be people who are so angry in this country they're going to be potentially even more angry about uh, Donald Trump not getting the nomination than they were about the election of Barack Obama. Because it'll be a more personal betrayal. They can always say it was those Negroes and those liberals who elected Barack Obama. 
But if Donald Trump doesn't get the nomination, they'll be they'll be. It's like how a, a, a betrayal by someone you know hurts more than just you know foolishness by someone that you don't. You can accept that easier than by a betrayer in your own house or in your own circle. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. So I'm not saying what you're saying. I'm saying that you you know you're you may be right. I'm hoping you're not because you know I really want. I mean, there's th- there's potentially three Supreme Court justices. There's already the one that's a uh, nomination that's there, and there's potentially two or three justices who could be retiring in the next four years, or who could die, frankly, because they're just old. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, if Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton gets the chance to do that, then that's you know, that's five. That's a, a liberal that a liberal majority. That's you know five people deep potentially, Ugh. and that's those are those are not swing voters like David. What's his name? Souter. David Souter, but you know like real liberals like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, you know, the, and we add you know Merrick, who was more of a centrist, and you know the two more liberal picks confirmed by the liberal Senate that will be swept into office. I mean, that has the ability to transform life in this country as we know it uh, in a real big way. It it could go back, it would be back to, it would almost be a throwback to the Warren Court in 1954. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. So that's my thoughts. So yeah, so I'm not fond of the idea of broker convention because I think it'll piss off people. It will, it will piss off uh, Republicans and it will also make it harder for the Democratic nominee to win and sweep in Democratic majorities. Definitely in the House, probably not in the Senate, but enough, but enough flippage so that uh, we can actually get some shit done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So well, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I, I can. I think the Senate is gonna flip, mm-hmm. um, but you know, um, the House won't because nobody thinks it's their representative that has the problem. It's everybody else, right? So, yeah. all right, well. Well, you know what? We we dove deep into those stories, and we we're already an hour and thirteen minutes into this show. <laughs> yes. So, guess who just made an appearance? Who? Yeah. The boy. Say hello. Hey, everybody. Hello, boy. Hello. Legionnaire got to meet him this weekend. Mm. I did. Isn't he adorable? Isn't he adorable? He is. So I didn't get it. I didn't get a chance to meet him the way I would have liked, because I had to be respectable. Yeah, you know, he was there. He was there with this sir, you know, and we have to respect that relationship. So you absolutely, know, just a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, so let's. Uh, we're we're going to we're going to uh, dash over this old navy ad and say quickly that. 
Twitter posted a 30% discount last week and their ad featured an interracial uh, family, you know, the father's white, the mother's black, and the child is mixed. And, you know, Twitter trolls said, you know, absolutely awful things to which people responded by posting pictures of their interracial families, you know, it was very, very sweet, you know, it was boyfriends and girlfriends, husbands and wives, children posting pictures of their black and white parents from the 70s and 80s. So it was just really sweet that, you know, in the face of this foolishness, people could, uh, people could um, say that. So let's, uh, let's get into, um, this perfect storm of HIV facing black men, uh, Legionnaire. On a, in an article, excuse me, on advocate.com, uh, by Mr. Rod McCollum, there is a perfect storm facing black men on HIV. And it says this month marks the 35th year since the first cases of the human immunodeficiency virus were reported in June of 1981. The epidemic across North America, Europe, Australia, and the developing world has dramatically changed since those dark days. A positive diagnosis in the 1980s was often quickly followed by illness and death. The introduction of antiretroviral therapy in 1996 has saved millions of lives and revolutionized health outcomes. A pause diagnosis today is considered a chronic but manageable condition, similar to diabetes, when people are linked to care and antiretroviral therapy soon after diagnosis. But not everyone has benefited from these advances. Half of black, gay, and bisexual men in the United States will be diagnosed with HIV in their lifetime if current trends continue, according to analysis by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The study was presented in late February at the Conference on Retroviruses and Opportunistic Infections in Boston and was described as the first ever comprehensive national estimates of the lifetime risk of an HIV diagnosis to some to offer some perspective. To offer some perspective, the nation with the highest rate of HIV prevalence is Swaziland, a tiny landlocked kingdom within South Africa at about 20% prevalence. The second highest rate is in nearby Botswana with 25%. If America's black, gay, and bisexual men comprised a nation unto themselves, that nation will soon have the world's highest rate of infection, twice as high as its closest rivals. The financial burden will be staggering. The CDC estimates the average lifetime cost of treatment in this country to be about $400,000. Thousands of new cases a year means, means billions of dollars for HIV treatment alone. And those figures don't account for treatment for other illnesses, loss, wages, or productivity, or the emotional cost of depression, stigma, and anxiety. The overall lifetime risk of an HIV infection for all Americans has dropped to 1 in 99, down from 1 in 78 a decade ago. African Americans who live in the South and gay and bi men have the highest risk. The lifetime risk for men who have sex with men, or MSM in public health jargon, is 1 in 6. 1 in 4 Latino MSM and 1 in 11 white MSMs are forecast to seroconvert or become HIV positive in their lifetime. The alarming lifetime risk estimates are not a foregone conclusion. They are a call to action. 
says Jonathan Merman, MD, director of the CDC's National Center for HIV, AIDS, viral hepatitis, STD, and tuberculosis prevention. Hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people will be diagnosed in, in their lifetime if we don't scale up prevention and care strategies. Uh, let's see, I'm going to skip down just a little bit uh, to, uh, to a section that says fueling the epidemic. There is not one specific reason new infections are increasing among black MSMs. The data show that black MSM do not practice more of what has been described as risky behavior. <clears throat> multiple partners and intercourse without protection than their white counterparts. Black couples were actually more likely to use condoms, according to a study by San Francisco State University re researchers. The release of the CDC's lifetime risk estimates without explanation or context isn't just peculiar. It feeds into the narrative across popular culture and the media that black men and women are hypersexualized criminals and sexual predators, says Robbie K. Perry, Ph.D. and associate professor of political science at Virginia Commonwealth University. We tend to hear about the black queer experience only when it is related to HIV or what is often perceived as irresponsible sexual behavior. Uh, let's see, and it says here, the states with the highest lifetime risk of seroconversion with only some exceptions are all Southern. About half of the people living with HIV are in the South. Most of them are black, says Treatment Action Group Pharaoh. We see very high numbers in places like Atlanta, Miami, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, and Jackson. Those cities have become the epicenter of the epidemic. It's no longer New York or San Francisco. The South is also the stronghold of the Republican Party. The Southern state's rejection of expanding Medicaid eligibility under the Affordable Care Act, despite residents in those states being overwhelmingly poor and underinsured, is another critical factor behind the increase in Black MSM infections. The lack of healthcare infrastructure in the South has particularly impacted Black gay men. Under the Affordable Care Act, anyone who is HIV positive can get insurance, but in almost all of these states, the Republican governors and legislatures have refused to expand Medicaid. Arkansas and Kentucky are the only Southern states to have expanded Medicaid. And um, it kind of goes on and on from there, but just on the face of it, um, what do you guys think about what he's expressing here? First of all, the reason I believe the reason why this perfect storm is happening is because 35 years later, black churches still are afraid to say HIV AIDS from the pulpit hmm. and still treat people who have been diagnosed with a disorder as pariahs. Unless, you know, just... they The moment we stop burying our heads in the sand is the moment we start to get better and free. But there's so... There's such a stigma against being honest and open that we will that, that there's some folks who will never ever be free. Yep. I cannot say I disagree. I mean, there is no I mean, at this point, I say this all the time. No child born after 1981 should ever come up with HIV because it's been a part of their lives all of their lives right but even with that no no adult 
who came to maturity after 1987 should come up positive because of all of the preventative talks and 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 teachings that have gone out. You know, there might if you go, you know, there's if, if there's going to be a difference, let it be because um, you know, don't even let it be a difference. It's education is supposed to help save lives. People are more educated about this than anything, and yet still are dying. Yes, indeed. <sighs> yeah. Um, and, you know, being stuck in states where healthcare and other things are um, and access to are creating uh, health ghettos. Mm. So, you know, you have um, because we, we live in a country where most people are uh, mixed with people in their own circles, meaning own socioeconomic circles. If you are black and poor, then most of your friends are going to be black and poor. And if, you know, in an extended network of four or five uh, oh, 40 or 50,000 people, which is large, but not that large when you talk about a network. If 10 or 20% of those people are HIV positive and they're only having sex with one another for the most part, then eventually more and more people in that group are going to be HIV positive. You contrast that to other ethnic groups where uh, they're either more educated or just have better access to healthcare. So fewer and fewer people in that circle are either um, are uninformedly HIV positive and those who are HIV positive are in treatment so run very little risk of transferring it to others. So I think, you know, John Sebastian's uh, statement about the church will be a great help because then people will feel less of a need to um, to to hide the life that they're living. But we can't do that because, as we all know, there are too many homosexuals in the church. And I ain't talking about in the choir stand. I'm talking about standing in the pulpit, you know, making decisions in the administration of the church who are enjoying the advantage of not just a heterosexual lifestyle, but a heterosexual judging lifestyle while secretly doing whatever it is that they're doing uh, in the the background. Mm-hmm. Like well, we talked I don't about want earlier. to lay the blame only at the feet of uh, young um of people in the church not having sex either. I think it is a larger conversation about sex and sexuality and the importance of healthy sexual expression, both in terms of heterosexual, bisexual, and homosexual expression that will lead to people not having to sneak around and uh, do whatever. I also think that we who are informed have a duty to talk about these things, to talk about options of uh, PrEP and 
other other ways to uh, protect yourself because there's so many people who believe that you know oh I can't take uh, take these meds because I don't have the illness and I don't you know preventative and it has more side effects and whatever I'm like girl that's bullshit so you know we have to we have to fight that head on. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. Well, uh, I think um, over the next couple of days and weeks, we're going to put up on our website some additional resources for anyone who is HIV negative and looking to stay that way. And for those who are HIV positive or think they may have been exposed on resources for how to get into treatment and uh, things like that. <laughs> that would be a good thing to do. Yes. So, John Sebastian, you're going to wrap up our hot topics by talking about uh, Larry Wilmore's use of... Uh, uh, the phrase my nigga to President Obama at the White House Correspondents Dinner. Well, at the recent uh, White House Correspondents Dinner, after the, profe- the, the president uh, literally gave a performance where he could drop the mic, um, Larry Wilmore, who is a Comedy Central comedian, came on behind him and referred to the president as my nigga. And there has been a humongous backlash slash we all see it's it's sort of like a a double-headed snake. You know, one half of the snake is saying it's not a problem, one half of the snake is saying it's a big problem. So according to Mediate.com, Black Twitter, which is probably my favorite place in the entire universe, Black Twitter has no problem with uh, uh, you know, with the whole thing, and um, <laughs> um, Mark Lamont Hill, for example, said, you know, he had no problem with the use of the word, but said he didn't find it funny. Um, but some folks thought it was fine. You know, you know, you in. Tr- <sighs> I know I'm in trouble when I realize that a stop clock is right twice a day. Bill O'Reilly defended Larry Wilmore saying he wasn't using it the term like a rapper would um and not to be outdone so a guest who was on CNN um raised the question imagine if someone called um Bernie Sanders the k-word Joe Madison as a matter of fact the, the black eagle um he says that the N-word finally needs to be put to rest and is absolutely saddened by how after eight years of this dinner, that's the last word that this distinguished group of people will hear in relation to this president. Uh, so then April Rain, horrible name, um, dismissed uh, Joe Madison's concerns and said they shouldn't give too much credence to the white gaze and it was pretty clear that the president appreciated what Larry Wilmore said. So people are all over the map about this. Um, personally, I didn't watch the show. And if that's how Larry Wilmore 
said it. You know, he's also a comedian. I I have other fish to fry than to worry about uh, the use of ebonic, you know, ebonics at the White House Correspondents Dinner. What about y'all? I, I didn't. I didn't have a problem with it. I think. Um, I think Larry Wilmore is funny. Uh, I think he's smart. Um, I don't think he did anything particularly offensive. Um, now, would the correspondence dinner be the best place for that material? Uh, it can be debated, you know. But I, but I think again, people keep missing the point. Uh, you know, it wasn't used in a derogatory way, and there are going to be people that argue this back and forth from now at to the end of time, to the end of days. But I think that there's a difference. There is a difference between using it to hit somebody over the head and using it as as a term of affection. And there are those who argue for that and those who argue against it. Now, also, you have to understand that Larry Wilmore, being a comedian, is probably going to take that opportunity to be provocative. So all that being said, relax, white people, get out your feelings, you know, black people that have a problem with the word, relax, get out your feelings. You know, I just I just don't I think that there are times and places where we can really have a discussion about the use of that word. I just don't think that this I just don't think that this rises to that level. Well, I do. Okay. <laughs> Listen. It's a word that I've used. It's a word that, you know, other people use, but I'm just like it's not a word that flows freely from his mouth because he doesn't use it any other way. So I feel like it was for shock value. And while I I could give two shits about what white people think about the issue, we can't be better until we do better. And I just don't think it was necessary. I think it was completely for uh, shock value or whatever. And if I was the president, of course the president doesn't want to seem like an asshole and say anything about it. But personally, if I was a president, I'd be real. I don't know that I'd be like pissed off and like off with his head or get the fuck out of the country. But I would be like, you. there's no other way that you could have thought to address me. You know, so... But, but you know what, let's look at the spirit of what happened at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. You know, it's not exactly the most serious dinner in the world. I, I disagree. So, I disagree in that, okay. yes, but anything relating to this president in particular is serious because so many people don't take him seriously. 
uh, I can't buy into that because if that's how they really felt that they should have found a different speaker. Okay. They should have found a different speaker. They they brought in Larry Wilmore, so that's what they get. So people that complain about it, you know what? Then you should have chose somebody else. Set out. All right, because it, because it, because it, because it just wasn't it just wasn't that bad. And I'm not and I'm not trying to discount what you're saying because I don't know that it would have been necessarily the right place for that kind of humor either. But this is a man that has, that is known to be that kind of humorist. So this okay. is not all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, Larry Wilmore has changed his whole brand of humor and just started using the N-word indiscriminately. No, he 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 is a political satirist and a humorist and all those different things that are a part of his show. So for them to all of a sudden now have an issue with something that he used at this dinner, I, I just I just find that very disingenuous. I mean, because if that's if you were really that concerned about making sure that that kind of stuff wasn't going to happen, then you should have picked somebody safe. OK, pick somebody notice, safe so that you don't have to worry about it. Notice they didn't pick Dave Chappelle. Right. <laughs> you know, <Right>. so. <laughs> so you know, so I, you know, and like I said, I don't, I don't know that he should have necessarily used that word, but I don't condemn him for it either. Because okay. at the end of the day, I thought I thought it was funny. I honestly, I haven't even actually watched it, so you know, I'm just commenting from the outside, looking in. But mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I I see both of you all's points. And that yes. is the beauty of this show that we can uh, we can disagree without being disagreeable. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Especially yeah. when we write, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I actually because I mean I was like you at first, but then I took I, I kind of stood back and then kind of watched the footage of it, and I was like, ah, okay. You know, he he took what could have been a very stuffy formalized kind of affair and, and threw something in there that was going to be shocking and whatever and you know and it didn't get like this you know gasp of a reaction I mean people laughed you know I mean it, it, I mean had people been shocked and stunned to silence then they'd be like oh girl that was a joke that didn't go over real good but I mean people laughed at it and I don't think it was and to me, it didn't strike me as like that, that nervous laugh. It was just, it was funny. And it was like, ooh, okay, girl, that's what you said. You know, and, and, and just, everybody just kind of kept it moving. Okay. All righty then. But of course then, but I will qualify my statement as saying that I am a fan of Larry Wilmore and his nightly show. So there is that. I, I freely come openly from that perspective as well. Right. Well, I mean, I'm not not a fan, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. I am just, you know, I'm protective <laughs> of this president. Maybe, you know, 20 black presidents from now, I'd be fine with it. But, <laughs> but, but not the first one. Not the first one, because um, I also don't like that other black people take ownership of him in this hood rat kind of way, like calling him Barry and shit. No, motherfucker, that's the president of the United States. His name is Barack Hussein Obama, not Barry. Mm -hmm. You don't know Barack and Michelle like that to be calling him by their first names. And while I get that, you know, this is the first time in your in our lifetimes that we have someone that is relatable, you know, we still owe that office some respect. 
And I feel like to me that was a sign of disrespect for the office in the same way that I would not expect a Jewish comedian, if Bernie Sanders was to become president, to talk about Jewing someone down, you know, no offense to any listeners who may be Jewish, but saying anything that might be offensive to uh, to Jewish people just because they feel a connection with him. Now, if you were on, you know, Hot 97.5 or whatever, whatever station Negroes listen to in New York City, you know, <laughs> maybe that's a little different, but you know, that's just me. Works for me. Works for me too. All right. And and was that, was, wait a minute. Was that, were you dismissing me? <laughs> no, darling. I would never dismiss you. <laughs> well, kids, that was Hot Topics, and we are running full up against uh, a lovely deadline because we've had a good time for almost an hour and 45 minutes. So let's try to hit this speed round right quick. Y'all ready? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. All right, let me get my technology up and running. So, first up, Mediaite has a story about a book. Uh, it was actually a book from 1993, a 1993 biography, Lost Tycoon, The Many Lives of Donald J. Trump, in which Ivana, uh, Ivana Trump, Donald Trump's then-wife, says that... Uh, Donald Trump had, quote unquote, difficulty that uh, Ivana confided to female friends that Donald had difficulty achieving and maintaining an erection. Mm. Legionnaire, thoughts? I don't, I don't but care. But it's huge. It's huge. But it's, no, it's, it's huge. Huge. I could care less about Donald Trump's penis. But Legionnaire, it's huge. Mm, okay. And a huge penis that don't get hard is what? Useless. Useless. <laughs> well, you know what? I am of the mindset. Don't tell me. Show me. <laughs> Prove it. Oh. If it's that huge, whip it out. You know, whip your white snake out. Well, I'm of the mind that this is not the sort of thing that I need or want to know right. about uh, a man, not only a man who might be the president of the United States, but I think it's immaterial. I don't care if Donald Trump's penis doesn't work at all. And, you know, he has a penis pump or anything like that. That's not the reason why I don't um, like him, and it doesn't um, it doesn't add anything to the discourse for me. So, like, I don't need that reason not to like him, right? <laughs> and I'm I I think that it's wrong to I know why this story is out there because now people are like, ha ha, you talk all of this shit with your tiny hands and your non-working huge penis. But that's not why I don't like him. <laughs> right. You know, so I don't even, I think this is completely immaterial to anything. But, you know, it's there in the news. And I thought it was interesting 
and I'm glad to see we're of the same mind about it, generally. Mm-hmm. Next story. So, two stories about gays in film. One, uh, Glad calls for queer characters in the next Star Wars film, and another one says that the cinema, uh, the producers of the next few Marvel movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe says that the chances of seeing LGBT characters in films are strong. So, for the first one, so Glad is calling for the franchise to introduce an openly non-heterosexual character. Okay. I mean, if it's just some random person who happens to be gay, then no. But if it's someone, and I mean, this applies to the Marvel cinematic character too, while I'm all for, you know, representation of gays in the future and in fantasy and in all aspects of life, even our superhero and fantasy lives, you know, I'm not interested in someone for whom it's just a throwaway. It either needs to be something that's introduced as a casual yet integral part of the personality, or it needs to be integral to the plot. And by casual, meaning like, okay, this person is introduced and this person is introduced to someone who has a male lover or she has a female lover or husband slash wife and you see scenes of them with this person and, you know, the storyline revolves around getting this lover out of trouble. So, So somehow their sexuality is integral to the story. Not that, oh yeah, Finn's gay. And it's never mentioned or commented upon. It's not particularly important to the plot or anything like that. And the same goes for for Marvel. It's like Captain America's gay, although that might be quite interesting. <laughs> you know, so I'm not interested. In the same way that the NAACP a couple of years ago called for the inclusion of more minority characters, and then all of a sudden you started seeing black people popping up on Friends and Will and Grace, but they were just like throwaway characters. And it meant nothing. So, you know, I'm not interested in that at all. But what do you guys think? Um I, I don't I don't like that kind of thing. I mean, I'm not saying that yes, it would be great to see those characters or, or, or people that I can identify with in 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 movies, but I can find characters that I can identify with in movies that have nothing to do with my sexuality. So I don't, you know, as a same gender loving individual, I don't need that. Um, would it be nice? Yes. But I don't know. I don't know that it's appropriate for groups like Glad to try to call out these filmmakers to try and dictate how they create their art. I, I just don't find that appropriate. Uh, John Sebastian? Don't care. That's it. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, the one thing I would piggyback on what you just said, Legionnaire, is that especially when... I mean, these movies aren't some one-off thing. You know, this is a detailed, you know, 500-page storyline, you know, and you can't just 
add some character in there that's not integral to the universe at the last minute. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right. they've already they're already into the filming of what is this? What would this be? Episode eight of Star Wars, and you know they've already got more than the outline of the next several movies in the the Marvel cinematic universe and while again it would be great you know if it's just some throwaway foolishness then i'm not for it right and you know and i can understand you know i mean i can understand marvel looking um looking forward in in their films uh you know because there there could be definitely interesting characters that they can do that with i mean you know, particularly in the X-Men universe where there have been plenty of characters who have come out and that are gay and things like that. I mean, so something like that would at least have a way of being uh, moved into the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, without a whole lot of hoopla, you know, because you have their big hero, which is North Star, although he's a member of, of Alpha Flight, not necessarily X-Men. You know, he's been associated enough with, with the X-Men comic book that that character could be seen at some point in those movies that they wanted to introduce him. So at least, you know, there are existing characters that that could be done with, um, you know, without it being like some made up character in order to satisfy somebody's idea of, of diversity. True. Uh, all right. So that's that. So last thing, John Sebastian. Just like I really? told you, mm. <laughs> nothing gets people to act more foolish oh, than the process than the prospect of getting some money. Somebody else's money to work for. No. Mm. So yeah. Foolishness and fuckery around Prince's will has already begun. There is no will. Well, the lack thereof. Right. The division of his assets and estate. So get into it. Mm. Prince did not have a will, it seems. Um, And so because of that, the estate has to be split up between his six surviving siblings, including one Tika Nelson with the purple hair, um, who is his only full surviving sibling. And according to D-Listed and TMZ, Tika stormed out of a recent meeting um, because she thinks she should get a larger source uh, than one, a larger piece than one sixth of his estate. But wait, that piece may get even smaller because TMZ reports that a woman named Darcel Johnson filed documents in the probate case saying that she's got sexy purple nymph blood running all through her veins. Uh, her claim is that she is the long lost secret half sister of Prince. And they have the same mother, but a different father. Oh, Jesus. Apparently, the family didn't know about this child until a few days ago. Of course. It's, and, and the fact that Prince just died and died without a will, uh, meaning that any surviving siblings can split his estate is merely happenstance. Uh, but in other news about Prince. Mm. Sinead O'Connor has mm-hmm. popped up out of whatever dingy, dungy, dunghole she was in. She is pointing the finger at Arsenio Hall and saying that uh, Arsenio Hall was Prince's bitch and uh, he supplied Prince with drugs. Also, 
She mm. claims that Arsenio spiked her drink at Eddie Murphy's house years ago. Arsenio, of course, has denied the claims. Um, but now Sinead O'Connor is accusing Arsenio Hall of being a regular Dr. Conrad Murray and secret siblings. And it's just, this is the craziest thing. Uh, it's the craziest thing ever. And yes, Sinead O'Connor is the white Azalea Banks. What y'all think? Oh, mm. I, I, I'm not interested in anything Sinead O'Connor has to say. Uh. Girl, and and this and this secret sister, girl, no, right, no. Why would you wait until? I mean, if if. You are the actual secret sister. Why would you wait until now? I mean, Prince didn't just Prince isn't some little person that you know just came out. He isn't Justin Bieber, who you know Justin Bieber is not dead. <laughs> but let's say Justin Bieber died next year, right? And, uh, you know, so and Justin Bieber has only been out for but even Justin Bieber isn't a good thing because he's been out for like 10. I mean, this dude has been famous since he's like 11. So, you know, mm -hmm. but you could say that, you know, some young kid who's came out, who's come out, made money real quick and then died. Yeah, maybe you didn't have a chance. Maybe you just found this out. Prince has been out since 1979. And right. all of this time, you mean to tell me? that you couldn't have um done uh couldn't have come up with this claim also i just think it's tacky even if you are princess uh sibling if you had no relationship to him then i'm sorry i would if it was me and i'm just i maybe maybe i've never been faced with that but i just like to think that my morals would not allow me to even mention it because if i didn't do it during life why should I be entitled? I don't believe that blood, especially sibling blood, when you did when you weren't close, mm. entitles you to auto to money automatically. Like, yes, if I die, my estate is going to be split with my sister, but because I only have one sister and we're close. But let's say I had a bunch of half siblings and you know, secret. You know, my father had this whole secret life. None of them hoes would get shit. Right. You know, and I would be, I, I would turn over in my grave if I thought that any of my hardworking money would go to these people who just are popping up at the last minute to claim any of my stakes. So I think it's super tacky, but I'm not surprised. Mm. And I'm sure some, some, some child is going to come out the woodwork claiming because here's what they're doing, what they want to do, you know, because these kids are dumb, but they're playing a short game because they're not really, they know they aren't going to get anything. But what they're going to get is they're going to cause enough havoc that Prince's estate might write them a check for what seems like a large amount to them, but is petty to the estate. Like, you know, they get $100,000 or something, which, you know, is, is you know, pocket lint. Mm-hmm. Right. But for a broke bitch, $100,000 is a lot of money. <laughs> sure, for a non-broke bitch. Look, 
for a non-broke bitch, if you ain't got it, it's a lot of money. <laughs> yes, that's true. I mean, I'm not. I, don't, I wouldn't call myself a broke bitch, but if someone cut me a check for a thousand, hundred thousand dollars, I wouldn't turn it down. Not by no. <laughs> not no, too. I don't want your hundred thousand dollars. I'm not that cheap. <laughs> well, bitch, I, I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. Mm-mm-mm. Yes, it's all just it's all foolishness. And fuckery. And, and and just as we were hoping that it would not come to that, it has. Honey, there is a reason that most people who are famous don't fuck with most of their siblings. Why you think why do you think that the only sibling that Michael really fucked with was Janet? Because she got her own money and didn't need shit from him. Probably never asked him for a dime a day in her life. Right. Right. Why do you think that, you know, uh, well, you can't say Beyonce and Solange because Beyonce clearly needs a road dog that'll beat bitches down for her. So, <laughs> you know, so that's not a good example. <laughs> But right, there's a reason why you never heard about all six of these brothers and sisters, because they were probably always trying to get in Prince's pocket. Hmm. Yeah. Very Including true. Tika, but that's the end of it. <laughs> uh, yes. And I'm betting that uh, any will that he had written probably didn't have any of their names in it. Exactly. Right. So, uh. just hacky. But I knew what was ha- knew what was going to happen. The only way it wouldn't have happened if he had been an only child. And even then, that wouldn't have stopped at least one person from claiming that they were secretly uh, brother and sister. Mm-hmm. So, any snooch kids? Well, that was a fun show, as usual. Yes. Y'all know we only got four more episodes about after this before we go on uh, summer break. No. I know the time is going by so fast. It is. It is just flying. We'll probably come back, uh, even if it's just for a show or two after the conventions are done in Cleveland and Philadelphia to give you guys our thoughts on what's happening and, and you know where we go with the race from here with whoever the nominees are and you know our thoughts on the vice presidential uh, vice presidential picks and you know any other fuck, fuckery and foolishness that comes along and if there's some huge decision like you know when we came back last year for gay marriage you know we probably you know what might be fun maybe we'll, we'll pencil this in is uh, a one-off show where we talk about you know um, full marriage equality one year on and you know maybe how it's going what's the next steps you know all of this that sounds like a plan that could be fun Let's do that. Okay, let's do that. All right, so we'll pencil that in. But in the meantime, you can, until we, uh, for the next couple of weeks anyway, you can catch Reality every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific with replays on Saturdays and Sundays at 12 p.m. Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific. You can visit the Papi Chulo Radio archives to download this episode and many more. 
Binge listen to your favorite Papi Chulo radio programs by visiting papichuloradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast through iTunes. Just search for reality and subscribe. Legionnaire, tell the kids how they can get in contact with you. Well, the kids can find me on the Twitter and Instagram, where my handle is at Legion Onyx. On the Book of Faces, I am known as Legionnaire Onyx. And listeners uh, of Poppy Chulo Radio can hear my dulcet tones on shows like The Lion's Den, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Fear the Rambling Dead. And uh, coming up this summer will be a new uh, show that will be airing. It will be called Summer Camp. Oh, cool. Uh, what's that? What's that about? Well, it's going to be uh, a bunch of us getting together and viewing some um, films that will be picked by our loving producer. And we'll watch those films and we will uh, come on the show and we will review them. You know, give our give our thoughts. Our thoughts. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Sebastian, how can the kids get in contact with you? On Facebook, unofficial colon, John Sebastian on Twitter. GSJ at, I'm sorry, at GSJ612. Well, good. And you can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Dom Onyx, Facebook for Facebook.com forward slash Dom Onyx. Tumblr is uh, the Dom Onyx.tumblr.com. And my website is www.domonyx.com. You can like reality on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash PCR reality and follow us on Twitter where our handle is at PCR reality. You can also follow Poppy Chulo Radio on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Poppy Chulo Radio. You can support reality financially by going to gofundme.com slash Poppy Chulo Radio and you can email us via reality at poppychuloradio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns. And if you're interested in joining the Poppy Chulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor, you can email us via talent at poppychuloradio.com. Everyone say good night. Good night, Good listeners. night, y'all. Good night and happy Cinco de Mayo. Thanks for listening to Reality. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week.